Ryan. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. The world is run by computers. The world is run by robots. And sometimes they ask us if we're a robot just because we're trying to log on and look at our own stuff. This is the Press Box. I didn't know that. If you keep having me sign in and saying, are you a robot? I got to pick out like the stoplights. I got to pick out the freaking trees. I got to pick out all these crosswalks. I just want to know when my damn Dodger gear is on the way, all right? With Grainy and Bischoff. Passwords have passed. You've correctly guessed. But now it's time for the robot test. On ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go. It's a Thursday. Ed, Tyler, and Danny, the degenerate, is running the show. So if things go awry, you know who to blame. Not us, but uh, the degenerate. It's probably because I'm looking at bets. Well, these are hard days to uh, do sports radio because nothing really happened yesterday. I'll be honest. If you're a Las Vegas sports fan, I don't know why you're tuning in this morning. Like, the Raiders are done for. Yeah. They're starting Jarrett Stidham. The Golden Knights lost to the worst team in the Pacific. And UNLV well, lost to the worst team in the Mountain West. Well, maybe well, Air Force, Air is, Force worse. is worse. Air Force is worse. But, God, what a terrible day that it's was. It's a bad day. Nightmare. Really bad day. Like, UNLV had, I'll give you the hot take now, maybe the most disappointing loss in the nine years that I've been here last night. Ooh. And we won't even start with that. That's a hot take. It is a hot take. They've but, had some. Yeah, but this te- this is the first time it's been like, oh, they might actually do something. Yeah. No, San Jose State's here to ruin all your dreams. But we're not even starting with that because the Raiders benched their quarterback. The first bite. Did Josh McDaniels make the right decision to bench Derek Carr? I mean, I guess, well, and I don't even know if it was just Josh McDaniels' decision. It could have been an organizational decision, so we'll put it on the organization just for now. Um We've talked a lot about the contract, about if he got hurt, they'd be on the hook for the $40 million, um, if he couldn't pass a physical at the end of the year. So that, I'm sure, played into it. His performance, I think, the last few weeks played into it. I'll ask you this back. If he had been playing well, even if they were 6-9, let's say he'd been playing really well, but they just lost games, you know, for whatever reason, is he benched today? He should be. It's the best decision Josh McDaniels has made since becoming the head coach of the Raiders. Easily the best choice he's made. We've gone through what they did in the offseason with their roster moves, and all of them are bad. Like, what good roster move did they make in the offseason? None of them. Like, you could maybe say, well, Devontae well, Adams Devontae is still Adams. good, but it didn't lead to them winning anything. They gave up their first and second round picks, and they didn't win anything this year. They had a bad season, bad offseason, bad season as far as personnel decision goes. This is the best one that they have made because they're actually putting the future health of the organization ahead of winning a random week 17 game that doesn't really mean anything. And that's an act that's actually a good move by McDaniels or Ziggler, or even if it goes as far up as Mark Davis, that's actually a good decision for the organization as a whole. Yeah, it's going to piss off Devontae Adams. Josh Jacobs isn't going to be happy about it, right? You're you're basically saying we're not playing for anything the last two weeks of the season, but none of that matters. What matters is the future because this year is over, and the best-case scenario for the Raiders is to have the flexibility to cut Derek Carr after the Super Bowl if they want or need to do that. And if they played him in these last two and he got hurt, they would be losing that flexibility. Right. No, so it's totally the best decision they've yeah. made since he's been here. Just just the fact alone on the injury was enough to cut was enough to sit him. That 
had he got hurt, and anytime you're out there, you can get hurt. Um, they would have been on the hook for forty million over two years, and then they really couldn't do anything with him. Right. Um, I don't think anyone would have traded for him. It would have been like the Garoppolo situation in San Francisco where he broke his foot and his trade value went down, although he might be the quarterback here next year. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> they might trade for him. Um, yeah, no, I, I I think you're spot on here. Um, and in the long run, it's the best decision for what you just said in terms of the flexibility they will have to do other things. And... Sorry for Derek Carr, um, but that's just, you know, it's a, a bunch of players said yesterday it's a business. I, I'll tell you what, um, Devontae obviously had some strong feelings. We saw what he said on Instagram last night after he had talked to us. He only made a few comments to the media. It was pretty short, but then he went on Instagram last night and I think kind of let his real feelings be known. The other guys yesterday, and I just talked to Jacobs and Waller, and we talked to Renfro. Renfro had Renfro, I think, was upset. He said, "I hope I play with him again some, you know, at some point." I don't know what really that meant. Somewhere else, I don't know what that meant. Um, but Waller and Jacobs, especially, went pretty quickly. As did Matt Collins too. You know, it's a business, and Jared Stidham's now the guy. We have to learn to play with Jared Stidham right away. It wasn't long drawn out kind of diatribes on Derek Carr and missing him and you know what it meant for him to be gone it was more like well you know who's the next guy up which I found I guess somewhat interesting um that they didn't have more to say about the guy who just you know essentially was left from the team if they are talking to the media and looking at it purely from the context of football and not like, Oh, this guy is my friend or, or I've gotten to know him over the last couple of years, or I guess like Matt Collins case, it'd be one year. But if they're just looking at it from a football standpoint, they, they understand Derek Carr has been here for nine years. The team's been to the playoffs twice. Derek Carr has been here for nine years. They've had two seasons. You could point to and say, it's good. They've never won the division. They've never won a playoff game. There's been nothing in nine seasons to suggest to Darren Waller or Matt Collins or any other football player that, oh yeah, you need Derek Carr as your quarterback if you're going to do anything. So if I'm if I'm Waller, like if I'm a teammate in there, I might like Derek Carr. I might be friends with Derek Carr and I feel bad for Derek Carr, the person. But if I set that aside and I'm looking at it from just, hey, like what's the organization doing and football-wise, what are we doing here? I don't think I'm upset about it. I don't. I, I think I look at it and say, yeah. I mean, Jarrett Stidham's not the guy either. But that's right. not. It's not about right. Jarrett Stidham. No, being it's, the it's guy. not about Jarrett Stidham. This had nothing to do with it's, Josh McDaniel saying it's about giving a younger. Oh, guy I thought that was funny. This We're has nothing to do with that. Forget those words. <laughs> it had nothing to do with giving a younger guy opportunity. This was all about Derek Carr and what the decision they made on him. Jarrett Stidham just happens to be the backup. He just happens to be the guy who's next in line, right? And that's all that yeah. this, all this means with Jared Stidham. Uh, what do you make of uh, Carr not even being with the team for these last two weeks, stepping away to to uh, quote avoid being an yeah. obvious distraction? Well, I mean, it would have been a distraction. Obviously, it'd been around media would have wanted to talk to him. Um, he's not, he's not said anything or put out a statement. Um, so, look, I just mean I think it just means they've cut ties with him, and I don't know if he would have wanted to be around either. The, th- the other thing about Josh McDaniel saying, well, he was totally understanding. He's an A1 person now. He might be an A1 person, but he didn't understand it. There's absolutely no chance he understood this or was happy with this. Well, I think I he mean, understands it. We well, might understand it, but he wasn't it. happy with yeah. it. Yeah. He wasn't happy with it. I, I know that for a fact. He wasn't happy with, with it. it. Didn't agree with it. Yeah. There's no question about that. 
um, probably gets it in terms of the contract. Yeah. Um, I, I honestly wonder, because we talked about it on this show in the offseason when the contract details were released about, hey, they can cut Derek Carr after year one. I honestly wonder how present was that in Derek Carr's mind over the course of the season or when he signed the contract. I think it had to be. Like, because we know athletes have all the confidence in the world. I'm guessing when Carr signed that contract, he thought, well, we're going to be good this yeah, year. Yeah, got so, Devontae Adams, got Hunter Renfro, got Darren Waller. That's irrelevant. Yeah. Of course they're going to bring me back. Yeah. But I, I wonder at what point did it become present in his mind, oh, yeah, there's that clause in my contract where I could be cut after the season and, and there's no guaranteed money after that. Oh, and three? <laughs> 10 a.m. yesterday when <laughs> and, he got called into the and office? That, that's that's what I'm curious about. Like, was he thinking about this the whole did, Was he Was it aware in his mind the entire season? Uh-oh. Like, things aren't going well. They can cut me after the Super Bowl. Or... Like Danny said, did did it like somewhat catch him by surprise? Was there like a oh yeah, I forgot about that. This money's not guaranteed. They can cut me after the Super Bowl. Like I'm genuinely. I think you're curious. pretty in tune with what your contract says. I would think so too. I would, uh, but I do also feel like he signed that contract thinking that's that's oh, three years no, guaranteed. Yeah, he signed it. He signed it assuming he'd get all hundred and twenty one million dollars. Right. So it's it's Whatever fascinating. Was guaranteed on that round. Um, I'll I'll give you this. This uh, it's, it's probably a hot take a little bit. I don't think this guarantees cars gone. Okay, like what happens when we get to the end of of the Super Bowl? And there, here's the key for the Raiders: they've es- essentially got two months, a little less than two months, uh, to figure out what options there are. Who would trade for Derek Carr? Where would Derek Carr accept a trade to? Because he has a no trade clause, and he can say no. They've basically got a month and a half to figure out where they can trade him to because they need to know within that three-day window if they're trading him. Otherwise, they're going to have to cut him. Or they're going to have to cut him. And get nothing for him. If if they get to that three-day window and nobody's offered him anything good, nobody's giving him like a first-round pick. Hell, nobody's giving him a second-round pick. I don't think you cut Derek Carr. I think you keep him on the roster. And try to trade him later in the offseason. Because what what are you going to... Like, he's a quarterback. And he's not a terrible quarterback. He's better than Carson Wentz, who got traded for, what, a second and a third last year, whatever it was. Like, he has value. I think you keep him on the roster. And I think there's a slight chance Jimmy Garoppolo 2.0 plays out. Where you don't ever actually trade him. And then, uh uh-oh, Trey Lance got hurt. Here's Jimmy Garoppolo. Where you don't ever actually trade him and you get to June and you're like, well, he's our best option at quarterback because we didn't get Brady. We didn't get Lamar Jackson. We didn't get Aaron Rodgers. And we didn't draft somebody with an 11th overall pick. Welcome back, Derek Carr. But in that case, are you going into training camp with Stidham as your one? Or are you going in with Carr and... Well, training camp's not till August. So I got time. Now, many camps in the spring, that might be a bit of an issue, but... If you're if you're trying to get one of the big name quarterbacks, you might be. If if Rodgers has drama that draws out into June, which he could have drama that draws out into September, yeah, I I I don't think it's likely, but I wouldn't be shocked if Boy, Derek Carr's still on the Raiders roster. I don't know about, t- I don't know about him back now. Well, I I was just thinking, what if you trade him to Indianapolis? For Matt Ryan and like a... That's the stupidest thing you've ever said, and you have said a lot of stupid things. Hey, <laughs> I think I think they'd be on board. Who would be on board? Anybody. Why would you want Matt Ryan? I don't know. He's an older version of Derek Carr right now. Or I was also thinking, <laughs> kind of, it, it sounds crazy, but I don't think it actually is. 
package Carr and Adams to Minnesota for Cousins and Jefferson. Why on earth because would Minnesota who would, give up, do who would that? give up Jefferson? What are you doing over well, here? Think about it. Adams is like Jefferson, Jefferson makes just like a $6 little bit dollars yeah. right now. He's still on his rookie contract. Yeah, but only for what? One more year? That's one more yeah. year. They don't have to pay him. One more year, they get the best receiver in football. You got terrible trade ideas, Danny. There's zero chance the Vikings would be like, yeah, yeah, we'll give up on uh, Justin. You got to get to teams like the Jets who might give up like a one for him. Like you might give, you might like you. Know, you got to get to teams that'll give up a first round pick for him. A one in Zach Wilson. There's also, well, he just cut him. There's also no chance any team in the league is taking on the contracts of Adams and Carr because you're talking about like almost $60 million next year. And then the following year, it's like $70 million between between the two of them. That's your biggest problem too, is if you keep Carr past that deadline where you can get rid of them, that guaranteed money, that becomes a huge problem. Not a huge problem. It's $35 million. Anyone who plays outside in the North will say it's a huge problem. That's something we should talk about because people are bringing up the Jets like Ed just did. I do genuinely wonder if you're the Jets or anybody that plays in cold weather. That eliminates, what, 10 teams? Would they, would they actually think that? Like, would the Jets say, well, we'd take Carr if we played in Florida, but we play in New York, so we can't take him. Like, I genuinely wonder How about if the Tampa? team think that. There could be just a switch of quarterbacks. <laughs> Without an actual trade. Without Which an actual trade, Brady. Just I mean, they're both on the same level right now, right? <laughs> eh, one of them keeps having those yeah. wins where they play bad for three quarters and then win at the end. The other one keeps losing those games. Coming up next, UNLV basketball. Lost to San Jose State. Keyshawn, left side, bounce pass in the corner. Harkless, open for a three, and he hits it. Terrific pass from Keyshawn. Terrific play designed by... Coach Kruger and staff, and the Rebels have a three-point lead. McCabe down the right side to Webster, right corner for a three. His three is good. Bang. Justin Webster, it's a big three there, 68-67 UNLV. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Coming up in about 10 minutes, Jeff Erickson from Roto-Wire will answer your fantasy football questions. If you've made it this far to the championship, Congratulations. Jeff Erickson will help you out. 69187. That is the Finley Kia text line. Just text ESPN and whatever your question is and send that all to 69187. We'll get Jeff Erickson of Rotowire to answer those in about 10 minutes. UNLV lost to San Jose State 75 72 in overtime last night. Ed, how bad do you think that loss is? I think in the moment it's a horrible loss. I guess I'd like to know what they're going to do the rest of the season, but it could end up being. A loss that you put up a blind resume on a board, and that's up there, and that doesn't look very good for a committee. There is a uh, decent chance San Jose State's a quad two team at the end of the season, or that's a quad two loss, I should say, at the end of the season, which if you have a quad two loss on your resume, that's not the end of the world. Uh, But there's also the chance San Jose State slips up and it's a quad three loss. The, The problem I think UNLV runs into right now is... They they haven't lost to a truly terrible team. San Jose State's much better than usual, uh, but they also haven't beaten a truly good team either. And if you look at their resume right now, the most noteworthy thing is this loss to San Jose State because they don't have a great win, and this is it. So that, that means, I think, two things. One, UNLV needs to pick up wins uh, that mean more than this loss, right? Like when you look Good at start the on year, Saturday, they need something like a win over San Diego State. And... 
they kind of have to avoid any more losses to the bottom four in this conference, bottom five, right? They can't lose to Fresno State. They can't lose to Air, Air Force, Force, San Jose State again. again. Like, they've got to beat those teams. And ultimately, I think what this act, what this, what this does is it eliminates the margin for error for UNLV to get in at large spot in the NCAA tournament. They probably have to go 12 and five, maybe 13 and four the, the rest, rest of, of the way. way. And Ken Palm has them as an underdog in eight of their remaining Mountain West games, which means they've got to take the amount of losses they're projected to have and cut them in half the rest of the season, which is uh, going to be very difficult to do because if you struggle with San Jose State, that might not be the best sign for when you play San Diego State, New Mexico, Colorado State, Boise State, Nevada, and the other good teams in this conference. Especially on the road with those teams. Yeah. This and, is a huge game on Saturday to go 0-2. And, and like you said, I think they're at New Mexico, which is playing out of their minds right now, especially in the pit. Uh, you don't get Saturday, you know, you could fall behind quickly here. Right. It's five straight games against top 100 teams now right. for UNLV. And if they, even if they end up 2-3 and three in those five games, you're 2-4 and four in Mountain West right. play. And again, we're talking about they need to win, lose five or six total in Mountain West play to have a shot in a large spot. You're basically done. At that point, here's my big question. I don't know what's happened to UNLV's defense. Uh, They haven't been, they've fallen off the last three or four games, but last night to San Jose state 1.09 points per possession. It's the second worst defensive mark of the season for UNLV. San Jose Jose state had 12 turnovers. Uh, That was only 18% of their possessions. UNLV came into that game, forcing turnovers on 30% of their possessions. San Jose state had 25 layups and dunks. They only attempted four mid-range shots. Basically, San Jose State either got a layup or a three. And here's the other thing. San Jose State only shot 25% from three. That's a team that shoots 35% from three on a normal night. If they shoot 35% from three, UNLV doesn't even get to overtime of that game. Their defense sucked. Like, that's that, that's supposed to be their identity. They got beat off the dribble nonstop in this game. Their help side defense was atrocious. They just lost track of guys who were cutting to the basket, and their closeouts looked slow. Like, they sucked on defense, and if you're going to be a team that's built on the identity of, well, we're not going to score a lot, but we're going to play really good defensively, and that's how we're going to win games, you can't have an off night where you just aren't trying very mm-hmm. hard. Like, that that was probably my biggest takeaway. They played 28 minutes, and I thought, this is this is not the same basketball team. They suck. They're awful. Around the 12-minute mark of the second half, they, they started playing basketball. They stopped getting beat off the dribble. Their help side defense was very good. And that's when they went on, what was it, a 14 14 run? 14-0 run, I think. To come back and take the lead in that game. And it's like this team didn't try for 28 minutes and then realized, oh, we might actually lose this. And for the final 12 minutes, well, actually more like nine minutes, and then they kind of sucked in the game. But for, the, for a nine-minute stretch there, they were like, oh, yeah, we can try. We can be really good. And they came back, took the lead, then ultimately blew it again. But it's like, how do you have a 28-minute stretch where you don't look like you're trying? How do you have a 28-minute stretch where you're that bad against San Jose? Not against a good team, against San Jose State. That was my biggest takeaway is that they just didn't look well, like they was cared. It, like Karkla said, it was a wake-up call that they went in thinking we're 11-1 and in San Jose State and there's about 10 people in the stands? I mean, they've played other teams that aren't very good. I mean, the last game they played was not Southern. A true, not a true road game, I though. guess. I mean, does that... Is that I mean, I mean when they, they, they went to San Juan Capistrano, there were six people in the crowd for those yeah. games, and they played fine. Hell, those were some of their best performances of the year. Like I, 
to me, that's just a stupid excuse. Like what you have, you can't go to San Jose state and win like, because there's a hundred people in the crowd or something. Like, what does that mean? No, um, more so. Do you think it affected them at all? And I know you got San Juan, but true road games. Do you think it affected him all that he only, that he only scheduled one? Probably. And that's underrated part of Kevin Kruger's scheduling. I know I've been one of the main critics of his schedule, not being very good. They played one true road game against San Diego. What the, what the hell's that? Like, you're about to go play nine road games. And all we hear every single year from Mountain West coaches, nobody understands how hard it is to win in this conference right. on the road. On the road. It's, it's the toughest conference. You go in the to altitude to one on day, you're at right. the coast the next day. That's all we ever hear. And Kevin Kruger scheduled one road game on his non conference. That's not good enough. Like, Kevin Kruger failed his team with his schedule. We talked a lot about the NCAA tournament resume and not having enough good wins. That's just another aspect where he failed his team in his scheduling. Absolute failure. And that's the one thing that they should never fail at. Like, okay, you might lose on some recruiting battles. You might not get the best players out of the transfer portal. You lose a game like this, whatever. But UNLV should never fail in their scheduling. That should be the easiest thing that the UNLV head coach does any given year is put together a good schedule for his team. And Kevin Kruger didn't do that. Yeah, because even on home and homes, you can get people to play UNLV. Right. You and don't struggle. You're not Wyoming right. trying to get a home and home and no one wants to go to Laramie. And if EJ Harkless is after the game being like, oh, a wake-up call for us. We hadn't had to do this before. That's on Kevin Kruger. Like, schedule a road game. More than one that's against San Diego. Go actually play a good team on the road that might give you some trouble so you can learn about it and go play in conference games on the road because that's what you do. By the way, EJ Harkless, what a wild night. So, he did not score in the first half, was 0 for 6 from the floor. And all that about, like, not trying on defense, he was one of the worst ones. Getting beat off the dribble and not being very good in the help side. Second half, he scores 18 points in a 13-minute stretch in the second half. And his 18th point of the game was on a three that gave them a 65-62 lead. Then, last three minutes of regulation, he went 0 for 2 with two turnovers on UNLV's last four possessions of regulation. Then in overtime, airballed three shots and committed a turnover. He did actually score at the very end of overtime when they were down five at the buzzer. But EJ Harkless, awful unbelievably great, awful. Just like one of the most wild nights you've seen from a player. I don't know how he did that. Like that's more impressive than just being really good or really bad for a whole night. How much is Parquet being out hurting them? It appears quite a bit. Like their last three games, their defense Gilbert, has not been that good. Keyshawn Gilbert cannot score. He's not been good. Uh, quite a bit, it would appear, that Eli Parquet not being out, which is shocking because... Harkless should be a good defender. Gilbert should be a good defender. Webster should be a fine defender. Luis Rodriguez should be a good... Like, it's not like they lost their only good defensive player. They're supposed to be a team of good defensive players, and losing Parquet means they suddenly go from great defense to average defense. I don't know. I, I think it, I think there's more to it than that. I don't think it's just simple. Right. It can't be just him. Right. But, but we were talking about it yesterday in terms of, is this affecting Gilbert at the other end? Might be, but... To be fair, they all sucked last night. So, like, Gilbert wasn't very good, but that entire, they, they couldn't score. That was, that was a pathetic effort from UNLV last night, whether or not Parquet was there. And I don't know if it's just Gilbert, whatever. What, by the way, not starting Keyshawn Gilbert and starting Jordan McCabe. What's that? What are we doing there? Wondering about that. What happened there? I'm, uh, they punishing Gilbert for missing a flight or getting his flight canceled? Uh. Didn't even miss it. It just got canceled. Or is this some weird, like, uh, he couldn't pick up the scouting report on San Jose State because he got in late? What are we doing there? (laughs) To be fair, Jordan McKay was actually (laughs) their best player in the first half. They should have played him more in the first half. All right, coming up next, 
Jeff Erickson joins the show. If you've got fantasy football questions, you can send them in now. 69187. That is the text line. Type ESPN, whatever your fantasy question is, and we will get it to Jeff Erickson. Snap to Prescott. Looking right, looking middle. Throwing right. Touchdown, CeeDee Lamb. Birdie under center. Toss going to fake it and roll to his left and will throw wide open. Kittle underneath. 20, block, 10, 5. George Kittle. Touchdown again. Touchdown. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff. Joining us now from RotoWire is Jeff Erickson. He will answer your fantasy football questions. You can text them in to 69187. That's the Finley Kia text line. Uh, preface your message with ESPN. So type ESPN, whatever your fantasy question is, and send it to 69187. Uh, good morning, Jeff. Before we get into anything happening this week, I'm curious. Uh, were you victimized by Cam Akers in any of your leagues? Uh, no, surprise. You know, I, I don't think I was actually, which is kind of weird. Cause I, I was in a lot of playoff games that, you know, I actually ran into, you know, if I made it to the semis, I did pretty well. It, it was the first round of the playoffs that got me where I, I, I got victimized more often than not. Uh, so if we look ahead to this week, we'll start here in, in Las Vegas. Does anything change for you on Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs, Darren Waller with Derek Carr being benched? I think it has to. You have to think about it, especially when you consider Josh Jacobs' contract situation. I mean, if they're willing to do that with Carr, and I understand there's a lot of other reasons there financial, uh, some obligations they would have in the future if he got hurt, for instance. Um, they don't have that with Jacobs. But nonetheless, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it has to. I mean, you, you're, you're playing a different way now. You're not playing to win uh, that that scintilla of a playoff chance i mean they're going to play their hardest and all that because players play but you know i could see them like just saying okay let's see what we have in demir white well let's see what we have in this i mean uh and you know adams has already been all over the map lately anyhow he's been impossible to rank because of just the, the random variance that he's had the last few weeks Six nine one eight seven six nine one eight seven is a text line preface with ESPN. All your questions, if you're in your championship or still in the semis, for Jeff Erickson. Uh, here's one: Which players would you recommend adding, not for this week, but for week eighteen, if teams have clinched their playoff spots, sit their starters? Um, I, it's a great question. I'd, cons- I'd uh, see if someone dropped Debo Samuel first of all, because he may come back this week or, or, or definitely next week, possibly. And they might have they might be wanting to play for that second seed. We'll see what happens uh, there with that. Um, you know, it, the problem is like sometimes like trying to figure out um, who's going to sit guys who, and and who who's a worthy second because sometimes. You know, they sit their stars, and then the guy that comes in next is going to be playing with backup offensive linemen, too. So it's not necessarily a great uh, situation to profit from. So looking at this week, we have, or tonight, I should say, the Titans. Uh, Derrick Henry's not expected to play. Um, Is Hassan Haskins, is there anybody in that Titans offense that's actually worthy of playing in your lineup? I, you know, I've been going back and forth on whether I want to play Haskins. Uh, and I, I have one league where it's possible where I like my alternatives are like James Cook or uh, Rashad White That's or Jeff Wilson. It, it's kind of in that range. I've got Haskins in the 30s. I don't know if he's going to be uh, get, uh, like a full-time back because even when he was on the field, he was more of a pass-catching back. He was on on third down. So um, I'm not quite sure yet whether I wanna, I, I'm courageous enough to start him. Uh, 
here's a it's probably a couple of questions in one here, but I'm curious with the game tonight, the Titans sitting guys on both sides of the ball. Tony Pollard might not play. How good of a play is Ezekiel Elliott tonight? You know, I've I been I got him around twelve because Tennessee still, we'll see what they do on defense in terms of sitting some of their starters, but they've been really good against the run, and they've been really good against running backs, too. Uh, if Pollard is out, I think Zeke is a start. I'd probably have him maybe even top 10. Um, but it's, I don't think it's like a smash spot either. It's not like uh, all of a sudden you're going against the Cleveland or Chargers uh, run defense. Uh, six nine one eight seven. That is the text line. If you've got questions for Jeff Erickson, you can send them in. Uh, here is one: Leonard Fournette or Brian Robinson. I'm going to go Brian Robinson against uh, that run funnel defense that is Cleveland. And uh, you know, obviously, Washington has a lot to play. Antonio Gibson has a sprain, um, so that, that's something uh, that to watch for there a little bit too to see uh, if if Gibson's going to be good to go or not. I, I think. They were purposely vague about it, but I don't think it's a massive issue, but something to watch for there, too, because if, if, if Gibson's out it's a, and it's a foot and knee and, uh, issues there, Ron Rivera, like on Monday, just called it a generic sprain, wouldn't name a body part, so at least we have a little bit more definition. But And he didn't practice yesterday, so something to watch for there, too. If Robinson's the sole guy, I think he's going to be in a really good spot. A couple questions here from the same person, Half Point PPR League. First of all, QB Daniel Jones or Goff? Goff. Uh, Goff at home against the Bears is a great setup. Uh, Tyler Algier or Jamal Williams? Algier, I think. Uh, Williams uh, at least was cleared from the uh, injury report, but you know he's been in a bit of a timeshare anyhow. He's one of those touchdown, you know, if he touchdown or bust guy. So if he doesn't get his touchdown or two, then you know he's not. You're not going to get any whole like PPR val- uh, bonuses and all that. You're not going to get any. Uh, too many catches there out of him. So I think I'd go the other way with Algier, who got more carries than Cordero Patterson last week. Uh, pick two, Gabe Davis, Isaiah Hodgins, Zay Jones, or Garrett Wilson? Garrett Wilson and Zay Jones. 69187, that's the text line. If you got questions, we'll get them to Jeff Erickson. Um, all right, help me out here. I saw Doug Peterson's comments yesterday, so it gives me confidence in playing Travis Etienne, but how worried should I be about playing Travis Etienne this weekend? Not not too much. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't I don't know for sure if we can take his uh, comments at face value because it is truly a meaningless game. However, the Jaguars have been playing so well. They really want to keep that momentum going. So I think they're going to at least play through like three quarters. Maybe, I, w- I, would, I would think. And, you know, like the matchup against Houston, typically running backs do well against them. I, I, I'm, I'm sweating it from another angle. I'm in a league which shut down uh, pickups for the playoffs. And I have Jalen Hurts and Trevor Lawrence as my quarterback, so I'm really watching this one closely here. Uh, 69187, that's the text line. If you've got questions for Jeff Erickson, uh, here is a quarterback one. Gardner Minshew or Brock Purdy? Uh, Gardner Minshew, if, uh, obviously, if Hurts doesn't play. Um, I like Purdy, uh, but I don't think the volume's necessarily there. And with Minshew, we know it will be. I'm curious, as you look back at this fantasy football season, uh, who's the player do you feel most vindicated about being higher on than everybody else to start the season? Um, okay, uh, I would say most vindicated about... It's uh, a good question. Um, well, I, you know, the funny thing is, 
I, I, I was really wringing my hands over uh, drafting George Kittle, but he's been a, such a stud in the fantasy playoffs that he's more than uh, justified where I took him in the fifth round after complaining about it for about half the season. So I don't think that necessarily qualifies, but um, I, you know, and, and the funny thing is things change in the NFL. Like everybody was doing major Vic, Cam Akers victory laps. And then all of a sudden now he's playoff hero Cam Akers and they're talking about him being a long-term running back in LA again. So um, and I, I was definitely out on Cam Akers too, uh, which is kind of funny. Um, yeah, I, I would say definitely. You know, I do have a lot of Jalen Hurts. I do have you know any any time I could get parts of the Eagles' offense, I did, and that's worked out pretty well. Who was your biggest miss of the season? Oh, Josh Jacobs, hundred percent. I, I told people not to draft him. I don't have him in any of my twenty leagues. Um, I, I I thought that for sure that he'd be, you know, in, in a timeshare, he wouldn't be that good. I didn't think the Raiders offensive line was all that good at run blocking. Um, you know, instead he's been this like every single carry type of guy and, and running well until the fancy playoffs, of course, but yeah, he, he got you to a pretty far place to begin with there. Um, so I, I completely whiffed on Josh Jacobs. And then a guy that I did draft that I have in way too many leagues was Allen Robinson. I thought he'd bounce back with a new location. Uh, that obviously didn't happen. And then he got hurt. Jeff, I'm curious. Uh, you just said over 20 leagues that you're playing in. What's your favorite format? If you could only play one format, what would it be? Uh, Superflex. Uh, my home league is PPR and Superflex uh, with an additional flex. The more players we can draft, the better. That's always the way I feel about that. Is that a uh, redraft league or is there a keeper dynasty aspect to it? It's a redraft league. Um, and I, I, I play in a couple keeper slash uh, dynasty leagues and they're fine, uh, but I prefer redraft. To be honest with you, um, I, I, I like I like the fresh powder effect of a new league. All right, he's Jeff Erickson from RotoWire, as always, answering your fantasy questions. Jeff, we appreciate it today and throughout the entire season. Thanks, Jeff. Good luck in your championships, guys, and uh, happy New Year. You too. Appreciate it. So there is Jeff Erickson from RotoWire answering your fantasy football questions. I think I've said this before. My favorite format is a keeper league, not a not a full dynasty league, but like he said, the fresh powder aspect of getting to. You like league. redrafts? Uh, I so I like the keeper league because I think it's the best of both worlds, where you have like long term planning of guys you're going to keep, but you only keep like three to four guys, right. and then you get to you get still to have the yes. draft yeah, experience. Draft. It's obviously not the same because you know most of the top players are gone, but you still get somewhat of the same redraft effect. I think that's the best. That's the one I prefer the most. So we keep. 13 spots. You keep 13 players every keep year? 13 spots. We have defense too, though, the individual defensive players. We have to keep so many in terms of, uh, I think, in terms of position. We have, we keep 13, though. I mean, that's basically a dynasty. Yeah. Mine's, mine's four spots. We don't have individual defensive players, but mine's four spots. But that's, I mean, 13's, I think our whole roster is 13 players really? in our league. Yeah, I mean, again, we don't have individual defensive players, but... okay. Yeah, what do we have? Six, seven, eight starters and five bench players, right? I think that's right. So that's 13. That explains why you had 170 points last week. <laughs> well, no, we only play, we don't play 13. We, we many, play like what Tyler said. We play a quarterback, two running backs, two receivers, a flex, a kicker. And, well, we have the five defensive players, so that helps out. In the oh, score. yeah. So you're you're playing, what, 12 people a week, 13 people Around a week? Around that. God, individual defense. I've never done that. I don't, know if, I don't know if it'd be fun or not. That'd be a weird it thing. It can make a big difference it. in weeks, I, though. I believe it. can it. make a big difference in weeks. I told you, I'm already I'm already annoyed slash in love with the addiction that is fantasy football, where, like, I very much enjoy it, sometimes hate it, but, like, I kind of hate that I'm going to sit down 
the Monday night game. Right. I'm sitting here cheering for a charger sack in a 21 to three game. I got him, but I'm cheering for it. I'm like, I don't, I should not care about this, but I do. The individual defensive players. Oh man. Then I'm sitting here. I'm like, all right, is 53 on the field. Where the hell is 53? (laughs) I need a tackle for loss to win. Might be a nightmare. All right. Coming up next. We'll get into the NFL because the Titans are kind of treating week 17 like a bye week. You correct flaws immediately, and then we don't worry about how long the process is going to take. In other words, today, I'd want to cut up of all Russell's past plays of 30 or more yards from the field, and I'd want to see, are there some schemes that he felt very comfortable with? Then I'd want to look at another film of his red zone touchdown passes inside the 20. What I'm asking for from assistance is I'm, I'm asking for some of his greatest hits and to make sure that we have those song lyrics available. <laughs> and, and if not, let's put them in. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, this is the Press Box with Grainy and Bischoff. Is Russell Wilson lacking confidence? Is that what that was supposed to tell me there? That was Sean Payton on how he would fix Russell Wilson. Oh. Wait, Mr. Unlimited over here doesn't have self-confidence anymore? That got destroyed in a hurry. Is that where Sean Payton wants to go? No shit. Is he ready to, is oh he ready to, go, is he ready to go fix Russell no, that's Wilson? Why, that, he's giving out bad advice for the next <laughs> coach there. He's like, here's what I would do. Wink, wink. Terrible idea. Um, all right. Tonight's game. Cowboys and Titans. Derrick Henry. Not expected to play. Titans listed him as doubtful on their injury report yesterday. They're not he, playing a lot of people. They, there are there are like ten or twelve guys that are that they're doubtful, sitting exactly uh, that they don't expect to play. Here's the reasoning: It's not because Derrick Henry can't play. Derrick Henry probably could play this weekend or tonight, I should say. It's because the AFC South champion will be the winner of the Week 18 Titans and Jags game. There is nothing that can happen in week 17 to change that. Titans lose or win tonight or tie. They still win the division with a win over Jacksonville. Same for the Jags when they play the Texans this weekend. There is still uh, some hope for both teams that they could get a wild card spot, even if they lost in week 18, but it's very slim. And ultimately these two teams are looking at it as a, Hey, uh, winner take all. In week 18, which means this week, the game doesn't really mean a whole lot. So, if you were in charge of the Titans or the Jags... Oh, by the way, I should throw this out there. On the flip side, Doug Peterson, the Jags coach, he has said he won't rest any of his players. Was like, oh, I only sit guys if they're hurt and can't go. All football, tough guy, quote, or whatever. Don't know if I actually believe him or not. But... Sit them all. Is that what you would do? Sit them all. If if, If it's down to one game. Now, how... Likeable, like you said, how likely is the wild card odds if they w- if the Titans would beat the Cowboys? Not and- very likely. Okay. In fact, I, w- I would actually make this argument: the main difference for Week 18 is if let's say the Jags win and the Titans lose, then Jacksonville could get in with a could win the division with a tie in Week 18. So, like, if one team wins so and one these team are loses, long shots for the wild card, right? Then we're talking about you know a tie would lead one team to win yeah. the division. But ultimately, it's like you'd have to you'd have to win this week, and then obviously you're not winning next week because otherwise you'd win the division, and then you'd need three or four teams to also lose. Um, you would be see. sitting everybody, is what you I'm would looking be doing. at. The, yeah, I'm looking at the standings because I want to see they're still they're still behind Miami. 
and then uh, New England, New York, and um, Pittsburgh are all right in the mix too. Who who said? I, I thought I read that if Tennessee would actually win tonight, which obviously sent everyone, I don't think they have much of a chance that that could also eliminate the Raiders. Uh it might because they might be guaranteed to be ahead of them okay. in, the, in the wild card stand. Well, they they would have the tiebreaker because yeah. they because they beat them. Yeah, so, so it Jacksonville would. Have the tiebreaker, right? So it probably would eliminate them if they did win tonight. Um, which good good news the Raiders are sitting their quarterback already. Uh, but you would if you were if you were I mean, Tennessee think, or Jacksonville, you're sitting everybody. If it means that much on week 18, and these guys, I mean, are these guys hurt at all, or is he just is he just? I mean, how hurt are these? I'm guys sure Derrick Henry's got a bruise somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm sure something is a little painful. My genuine question: I don't know that I have. I don't know that what I would do, but. My genuine question would essentially be, what's more important? Giving my team essentially a bye week or, you know, half of my starters a bye week and not having Derrick Henry and other guys play or making sure my guys don't lose any sort of rhythm because we hear that a lot when teams rest players before they go into the postseason. And I don't know what's more important. Uh, What I do find interesting Tennessee playing on Thursday night effectively has a mini buy before they play Jacksonville. So Tennessee well, already need, has a mini they need one better built rhythm in. because they've lost five straight. Yeah, they might. They might need they, the buy. They, so they might right. need a buy because they have no rhythm. Let's just shut it down. Let's not even try this week and play a one game season to get into the postseason. <laughs> 